You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bacani at Bilal V87 on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, WWE Money in the Bank, well, they really threw themselves off the roof. I'm joined, as always, by good old AR, Alex Ross, and my second favorite, Daniel, Daniel Shahori. Alex, I know Hello. you're the more casual of me and Daniel. So uh, what is your initial reaction? We saw Asuka and Otis, uh, to all of our surprise, taking the win here. What's your initial reaction to this? There's not enough time to explain this Money in the Bank match, but just your initial reactions. Good choices. I want to see more of these characters get developed. It was an interesting fact that none of us chose these two, but the fact that like Otis is having such a rise and what a great build. And Asuka, you know, I think she's all ultimately winning this to lose it, but I'm all for these characters getting the bump. Yeah, it's very interesting, Daniel, because Otis, you would think there'd be a tag team title run for him before this. And you would think with Asuka, she's already had the feud with Becky Lynch. So I do worry, and it's something we talked about, you know, when we did our picks, was maybe you're giving them the briefcase to lose it. And I think that is going to be the case, at least in one instance here. But definitely a feel-good story and sort of WWE rewarding a couple of workers who have really gotten over in a no-fan era here. Yeah, it's look, the, the choices of the winners was two of the better overall aspects of this entire show, which if I'm going to jump to the end here, I was rather disappointed with this entire show overall. But those, those choices I was, I was happy with. And, and quickly, just in terms of the Money in the Bank match, because you're right, the rest of this card was predictable and pointless, and we'll really fire through that and a couple other points in a moment. Um, but I want to highlight a few things that really worked here. Uh, the cameos, uh, Brother Love, Vince McMahon, Johnny Ace, Stephanie McMahon, Paul Heyman, for some reason, having a nine o'clock buffet by himself. Like, it didn't really make a lot of sense, to be perfectly honest, but they were just goofy fun. And the way this match was constructed, from AJ Styles being the first guy out for the man and trash-talking everybody as they did their sort of pseudo-entrance, to Asuka seemingly not being there, only the jump off the second floor down below to all the other female competitors. I think the biggest uh, disappointment for me was sort of how some talent were treated in this match. For the women, we only really had Nia Jax, Asuka, and Lacey Evans, who even made it to the roof, whereas, you know, Dana Brooke, Carmella, and Shayna Baszler, worst of all, really were not legitimate threats when this match really came up to it. And Daniel, I think that's a big worry that at least, you know, I can understand Dana and Carmella, but you've got to protect Baszler here a little bit. You would think, and look, I thought everybody looked stupid in this match. Everybody. But if you had to give, the, I think, the obviously the one that looked the dumbest, they made Dana Brooke look like such a fool mm-hmm. uh, in several cases. and But all of them, all of them looked so stupid. Anytime anybody was doing anything but trying to get upstairs, you know, I was sitting here with my lady, we're like, we're just like, Go upstairs. Enough of this. Stop. When, when AJ was looking for Ray, like, why are you looking for anybody? Yeah. Just go upstairs. Oh, man. Anyway, Alex, what, what's, yeah, what stood out to you, Alex? There's so much. Like, we could spend all night on this, but we'll, we'll leave it short. What jumps out to you beyond what we already discussed? This match was like a cartoon come mm-hmm. to life. Like, WWE, for the first time, they're taking us back to, like, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, this kind of feel that these wrestlers don't have to wrestle as much as be these bigger than life 
characters. Rey Mysterio is a perfect example of that. At, before the food fight where Nia Jax and Otis basically sandwiched Rey. Rey after the choke from Baszler, no less. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Dana, they're, they're extending these characters. They're making Dana look stupid. You know, Carmella, not so far from that. Mm. And they can just kind of connect them in these kind of... Mm. You know, is you know, you're right. It's almost like they're taking a page out of the book from Glow. Like, I, like mm. I get, I, I like it's like the Netflix era. They realize people are at home. They want mm. more storyline. But yeah, I got to be honest. Like as silly as it was, it was actually more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I there's things I, I I struggle with, like Corbin throwing Rey Mysterio. Um, and did he throw Alistair Black? off the roof, quote-unquote, as well? You threw somebody else out. I think it was Alistair Black. You did, but you heard, like, you heard the landing. Yeah. So, I, I think it's the, certainly the commentators didn't suggest that they were thrown off the roof. Yeah, I, it was just a weird choice. And I, I almost wish that when, you know, that Rey Mysterio moment that Alex just mentioned, that should have been enough to take out Rey Mysterio. That's, a, you know, the, the lock from Shayna Baszler and then Otis yes. and uh, Nia Jax... That's about, what, almost 600 pounds? Crushing. That should have been the end of it. I agree. That, that would have been a good place to leave him off. And then, yeah, I guess if, then if Alistair's the only one who goes off the roof and it fits into his gimmick, maybe he's coming back from the dead kind of thing. Yeah, I, there's, there's parts about this I'll struggle with for some time. But overall, I think it's very good. I think it was a good way to change things up. And I think for the most part, they, they did very well here. And, you know, there was good, good callbacks to the Undertaker match. I was surprised they let a picture of Roman Reigns sneak into the background of this. So there's a lot of things to dissect here. Um, but overall, very good. And especially, oh, especially when you compare it to the other card, which we will not spend long on, um, but we'll go in reverse order here. Drew McIntyre, to none of our surprise, as was the case with almost every match on this card, except for the Money in the Bank matches, retained his title. But I will say, Daniel, I liked the new entrance for Seth Rollins. I thought this match had about as good a narrative outside of the Strowman um, wide match. Like, I thought this was relatively good for a one-off feud. It was it Like, uh, yeah, I'll agree with you here. The, the best thing that came from this is that uh, Drew McIntyre looked really strong. Mm-hmm. So they, they continue to book him well. That's the best thing. Look, it wasn't a bad match. But again, I, I there's just no life in, in any of these matches for the obvious reasons. It's not their fault. But it, it just... You can really feel it come the fourth match in a row in this empty arena. Uh, so it's, uh, but you know, they did manage to to make Drew look strong, and that's all you can hope for. And so they did well there. Did this work for you, Alex? I actually really enjoyed this match. I don't like Seth Rollins. I, I don't get the appeal. Drew's a good champion. He's clean. He's big but he's not like Braun Strowman like he's just a good look he's Scottish like that kind of UK is Mm. feel is massive right now for the brand so it works I mean again it poor guy is the champion during the COVID-19 era like that's just like the kind of the biggest takeaway from this Mm. all how do you come back from this maybe he loses it right when the audience comes back. So he can actually, yeah, I mean like so hard. We, we could rewrite all of this, but like they have to do this for the next month or two. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's only so much you can do with it, but the match itself, Seth Rollins really impressed me. Those suplexes, those heavy duty off the top ropes. I I was pretty impressed with those two. 
Yeah, and I think most importantly, narratively, this told a good story. Um, and let's go right into the Braun Strowman-Wyatt match. Because, again, this was one where we had Wyatt not as the Fiend at all, which I thought was smart, except for the very end, after he lost, we got little flashes of the Fiend. And we had the puppets kind of strategically placed. And, you know, we had the moment where Braun had the mask and eventually kind of stepped on the mask and took the win. I think a lot of us, we all thought Strowman would take the title here, hold on to it, I should say. And I think in terms of, you know, as we walk away from this card, this is probably the only rivalry we will see extended, I think, beyond, and the only one that really should be uh, beyond tonight. Uh, And I think, Daniel, this was about as good as you could do without using The Fiend in in this Bray Wyatt-Braun Strowman situation. You're right. They have to hold it off. And I think, yeah, you're right. This is the one where they've... Put there, there. We'll see if they put thought into it. But there, there, there's sprouts on this one. It'll probably go until the next pay per view, uh, and then we'll see what happens. But yeah, it was fine for what it was. Uh, good little theatrics throughout the match. Uh, I, so that again, I didn't really wake up until the puppets came. Yeah, and, and as chilly as it was, but that's what that's what woke me up in that match. Like okay, because it was something. It was something different from this mm-hmm. empty arena. Yeah, yeah it takes advantage of the situation. Alex, what did you think of this? I know you're not as, you know, deep into the Wyatt lore, but you've sort of seen this from his debut at SummerSlam to now. So I think, you know, with WrestleMania this, the character's been revived and sort of interesting to see Wyatt in a bigger match here as opposed to The Fiend. I mean, it's really not complicated to see. Two bearded guys that look like they're brothers that could have been, <laughs> you know, some sort of history before that are now kind of figuring their demons out together while one happens to be the champion. Isn't that the kind of most interesting thing about why it is, you know, he, the championship thing, like for him and The Fiend, you know, that, that's kind of an interesting storyline itself. And then you add Braun Strowman and this whole re- reunion of sorts. I watching these wrestle well to be honest they didn't wrestle a whole lot they kind of Mm. just like ran into things together and separately for like five to ten minutes Mm. and then Trish started watching and she's like why is this guy in a red sweater and I'm like (laughs) to be do you realize that like Strowman is like six eight three hundred and eighty five pounds and Bray Wyatt is six three 285 pounds. Yeah. There's a hundred pound difference between mm, these brothers. Point. It's crazy yep. to, and then they, so again, are they really going to wrestle? What can they do? But then at the end, there's a good power slam. Like that slam was like impressive, but at the same time, Trish couldn't get over this guy's in jeans and like a red <laughs> wetter. Braun Ashley looks like he's coming to wrestle, and then she hears the freaking piggy that pig thing and yeah, she's, yeah. Like, she's like is this she thinks i'm an idiot because <laughs> of these puppets not because of just the wrestling she thinks wrestling's bad enough now i, I like these like care it's like it, it's a little hard to like get over it's they kind make of it cool. hard yeah like it's it's a bit of the allure too daniel i think those of us who are so hardcore we sort of welcome the difference of wyatt and the fiend and it's kind of what makes them special yes <laughs> yeah. Look again. I, it woke. It was the. It was the Wyatt uh, silliness that woke me up in this match. Yeah. No. No. It's definitely something different. We also had Bailey defending her women's title against Tamina, and this was very interesting because I don't know if you guys saw this in the pre-show, but Tamina sort of took to social media to sort of explain her character, and it was not really a face character at all. It was a mean, evil person 
yet she was sort of the good guy by default because Bailey's so evil and she's seemingly manipulating Sasha Banks and that rivalry was played up as well. Eventually, through some chicanery, Bailey retains the title. No surprise here. But I think, again, as a stopgap, much like the Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre thing on a smaller scale, I think this works. But I think the difference is Drew McIntyre is probably going to go kill Jinder Mahal and we're going to get to see Bailey take on Sasha Banks. So the upside here, despite the fact the match isn't going to knock us over today, it's probably building to something bigger, Daniel. You think it's, sorry, to clarify, you think it's building to what? I think we're going to get bigger with them. We're going to get Sasha and Bailey probably at SummerSlam. There may be another match in between. At oh, uh, I'm sorry. I thought you you meant something bigger with Tamina yet. No, no, no. Sorry, completely without Tamina. Tamina's out of the picture. Mm. But I, you know, you you see the seeds being planted for a better rivalry, and I think you can kind of forgive this for being a little bit meh because you know there's a payoff down the road. So are they? So where do you think they go to Sasha next, or where do they go next? So what? What is? What do we got? Backlash. We have something in June. I don't know if it's backlash. backlash. Yeah. So for whatever reason, Backlash is now after this, not after WrestleMania, which makes no sense. But you go to Backlash, you probably do a Lacey Evans thing, or you you do Dana Brooke and Carmella. I don't know. You do something, and then by the time you get to SummerSlam in August, at that point, there's more cracks between Sasha and Bailey, and then you finally pay off that match. Because I just, I don't think they can do this until WrestleMania. I don't think as good as the women's division is on SmackDown, hey, it's better than AEW. I don't think they've got enough depth to take this to WrestleMania, Daniel. Like, I think they have to pay this thing off at SummerSlam. I don't know what you think on this whole entire program was better than AEW. I'm not sure what, what it is that you, you're, you're very, very generous to this company. And look, I've watched this company. My- Baker, but go on. I've watched this company my whole life. I stand by it no matter what. But look, like tonight was – look, you guys like – I'm glad you guys like the show. I didn't think tonight was a very good show overall. Mm. You're very generous to this company. Yeah, probably. Alex. I only started watching from Braun Strowman on. So mm. I kind of caught a glimpse of the R-Truths aftermath and stuff, but I don't like him as a character. I don't like – I don't like – people who are not dumb but they're acting dumb and they're bad at it or maybe he is dumb and he's trying to act dumb sometimes he pulls that character off and sometimes he doesn't yeah i i I like the r-truth stuff and again i am biased daniels i'm glad you brought it up because r-truth once sized me up as a potential contender for the 24 7 champion when i interviewed him so i am very biased here r-truth thought i could take the title off him that he now pines to take off tom brady but he actually means gronkowski you know, as a sports nerd, as someone who likes our truth, there's a great uh, WWE documentary on him where his story is magnificent. Like, you know, it's really, really good, and it's a very nice story. So, and he sort of found the fountain of youth as well, which we should all be so lucky. So it's hard for me not to root for this guy. I, I realize this is just cheese in its cheesiest form. Um, but let's run through a couple other things really quickly here, because there were actually a couple other matches on this card. Not that they mattered. We had... Jeff Hardy versus, or sorry, let me get to the tag team titles first. Uh, the New Day defended against uh, the Forgotten Sons, who Alex picked, uh, the Miz and Morrison, and the Lucha House Party. I have to be honest, Daniel, this just did nothing for me. It just kind of washed over me, and I was like, okay, New Day retained. That's what I thought. Say, I'm with you, man. Uh, it did nothing. Most of this, most of this card did nothing for me. Yeah, this, was lo- this was a low card for me. We'll fire through a couple more matches here, and there's a few topics I want to throw in at the end, including the Hacker and Edge and Orton on Raw Monday night. Jeff Hardy defeated Cesaro. Uh, MVP. I missed that. Yeah, you missed nothing. 
MVP uh, had Bobby Lashley come in for him, and he defeated R-Truth, which sort of led to the segment earlier where R-Truth well, couldn't – go ahead. Sorry, go on. I didn't so, mean to interrupt you. So essentially what we got was Cesaro kind of standing in for Sheamus, although that wasn't really explained. It was just sort of announced as a match. So I, it felt like a very throwaway kind of, you know, kickoff match. And I believe the MVP R-Truth match, it just it didn't even make sense because if you watch main event, R-Truth fought a main event and MVP was on commentary. And MVP was like yelling the WhatsApp song with R-Truth. So I don't know what happened between when they taped main event and Sunday where these guys now hate each other. But maybe this leads to MVP representing Bobby Lashley and creating fa- f- uh, friction with Lana. So maybe there actually is a narrative there. And certainly the Sheamus-Jeff Hardy thing I want to see more of, although I'm very worried because Jeff Hardy kind of beat up Sheamus on SmackDown. Um, but Daniel, I, I do think um, this is where a mid-card title match, you know, or even a Raw... I'm surprised there wasn't the Raw tag team title match with the Viking Raiders and uh, the Street Profits. I think there's a lot of better ways that could have gone, and those last two matches in particular were complete afterthoughts. I think the most surprising thing here is that you watched main event. Ooh, that's, uh... well, well, look, look, let me just say this. Main event is mostly highlights. There's only actually two matches on the show. And All you, right. you never yeah. know. Like, I think Kyrie Sane faced Ruby Riot this week, and that was a really good match. Like, you know, those are two wow. very good wrestlers. And main event, it's, there's so much talent in WWE that, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, and I'm going to make another AEW comparison, but forgive me. A lot of times you watch AEW Dark and it breaks the canon and it just, it doesn't work in the context of other things. But when you get to main event, and this is by WWE's crappy booking, it's all these people they forgot about. And the next thing you know, you fast forward and they're on the pay-per-view. Or in the case of Kyrie Sane or Ruby Riot, they very easily could have been in that women's money in the bank match instead of Dana Brooke or Carmella, if we could have, you know, drafted the best superstars, not three from Raw, three from SmackDown. So I think that helps it quite a bit. I want to get to a couple other things before we go here, because there's not much to say about these other matches. Um, we had another look at the hacker here, and not much, you know, the sort of the idea was we pan out and we see all of these screens, and basically Mustafa Ali is going to take everybody out. But, 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 because Alex picked Dana Brooke in the Money in the Bank women's match, there's been a big piece of news. The audio from SmackDown of the hacker, when it was pitch shifted, there's a female voice in there, and it sounds Ooh. a lot like Dana Brooke. And this whole Carmella, Dana Brooke thing, where you don't know why they have a tag team, you don't know why there's friction, maybe it's all a front, and Dana Brooke, Mustafa Ali, and potentially Xavier Woods, because they've been featuring the New Day more than anyone else, are forming a faction based around hacking and clearly that Matrix background. I'm going to start with Alex here because I know he's a big Dana Brooke fan and I hate Dana Brooke. Alex, does that excite you? Dana Brooke is, uh, when they, they made her look like an idiot now. So yeah, She is an idiot, uh, but go on. Yeah, but like, uh, like is this how they're going to play out her character? Like, they, I don't like that her and Carmella, they only really have each other unless they're just playing that up because she is the hacker. I think Stephanie McMahon might be the hacker, but if she can't Ooh. act her way out of a, like a, a fucking <laughs> show. She, tonight she couldn't for some reason. Oh, Usually it was so bad. bad. It was weird. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. The way it was shot too, clearly Stephanie yeah. wasn't there. And I don't think <laughs> no, that, like it was, yeah. it was I guess that's what that was. in her hallway of her like bed, of, yeah. like, of like her bathroom. Like, and I'm sure Triple H shot it, which didn't help things because we know how bad a camera guy Triple H is. 
Um, so that didn't help either. But yeah, that was that was so tacky. And even putting like I, I like you know one of the things in the Money in the Bank match I'll add the way they used music was very good. And having having Stephanie's theme song gave this some some credence. And having that prop gave a logical thing to Dana Brooke because when Dana Brooke got that briefcase, I actually thought, oh, maybe they hid the women's briefcase here. Or maybe Dana Brooke found a different briefcase and now she gets a million dollars and she can buy a personality. I don't know. Wow. But I thought there was something else to it. The hacker um, is Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. I'm calling it right now. Look, mm. I, I wouldn't rule it out, but uh, that's a pretty good theory. But I, I do think, Daniel, there's something to be said for, and I sort of was hoping Ali would show up tonight, maybe get revenge for the Brock <laughs> party and steal the money in the bank briefcase. But I guess that's not happening. I don't know. Do you have any hope for this storyline? Because it really has gone on way too long. Well, I don't know why, and it's not just you, but a lot of people are just 100% convinced that it's Mustafa Ali. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% convinced it's him. Mm. Um, and a one big uh, internet rumor that's sweeping the internet is that it might be AJ Lee. Oh, wow. Heard this. Yeah. I have not heard that. Wow. I think what they do is they take advantage of the rumors. They can they have a faceless character, and they're just kind of rolling with it. And if they were smart, they wouldn't plan this far ahead, and they'll kind of pick and choose who they want. Just like with the voice decoder, it happens to be Dana Brooke. Like, come on, give me a break. We'll see. Like, we've seen the Dark Order, uh, Daniel, so we know that this is a slippery slope. Like, if people start to fantasy book like a Marty Skrull, and you never mm-hmm. get Marty – that, you know, and uh, this is the problem with Ali is he's very much a Brody Lee caliber superstar. I don't think he's somebody who's going to wow people. And I'd say the same thing about Dana Brooke. So I think they're starting to get into that territory where the stuff we start to theorize, you know, because when you say AJ Lee, I imagine CM Punk is right behind her. Mm-hmm. That's an ideal situation. I've heard that I too. I don't think it's ever going to happen um, because it just, it, 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 the problem too with this is everybody who's been put in this scenario with the exception of Xavier Woods, I don't think it fits their current character. Like we're talking about Dana Brooke and Ali flipping into heels, or we're talking about CM Punk and AJ Lee probably flipping into heels because the only way you can, because the teams that have been featured are generally face teams with a few exceptions. So, you know, like CM Punk and AJ Lee have the power to undermine every babyface but I don't think WWE would ever let them do that. I don't think it would let them come out and say, oh, well, these teams are all full of crap. We're the real heroes. I don't think they would ever give them that much free way to do that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, look, I, you, you, you paint a really pretty picture of what could happen. You do this every week. And I, mm-hmm. I was like, and wow. It never happens. I never, I was like, well, not that it never happens, but I'm like, oh, good. Well, it's, it's, it's heartwarming that you have this faith in this company. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, no, I don't have faith that any of this is going to be a satisfying payoff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it probably will be uh, Mustafa Ali. You're probably right. Yeah. And then in a month from now, this is going to go nowhere. I don't know. I'm, I've been, you can tell lately I've been really fed up with, with, with uh, creative, as mm-hmm. you can tell. Um, but no, I, I, I think it's going to – it's it's – I think you're going to get your hopes up, my friend. And yeah, I, no, it's I Vince don't want to McMahon. see them break your heart. It's Vince McMahon who also needs a haircut. <laughs> uh, finally, and I really do mean finally, on Monday Night Raw, 
Edge and Randy Orton, a month plus after WrestleMania, are going to show up. Uh, the only way I think this works, Daniel, is if we get rated RKO reforming. Because why? Why would why would they do that? Well, I just I can't imagine we want to see these guys fight again. Like, I don't like unless there's a tag team match, and and I'm going to completely fantasy book this in a way that'll never happen unless. Randy Orton shows up, Edge is there, and the next thing you see is Batista, and then the next thing you see is Christian, and then you see Triple H, and then you see Gangrel, and we get some what, sort of what? unbelievable... Oh. Yeah, but we're not going to get the Brood versus Evolution, which is like the most... Like, that's the most ideal fantasy book situation. <laughs> and heck, you could throw in Lita, you can throw in Stephanie McMahon, you can make it a four-person super match, but it's just not going to happen. Like, and that's the problem. No, yes, Bilal, you're such a good guy. I don't like to see this company break your heart. It, mm-hmm. it upsets me to watch this company do this. Don't too. worry, I know it's not going to happen. Fair, you don't deserve this, Alex. Uh, you know, I'm with Daniel in that you romanticize the WWE it's to mm-hmm. the point where I like to watch it now more than ever, uh, only to see how they poorly mismanage themselves. It's almost mm-hmm. part of the enjoyment. Yeah, no, and that's unfortunately it. But hey, the good news is Otis, I I still, and and of course, the way he won it, like for anyone who didn't see it, basically, Otis was too fat to climb the first rung of the ladder. We called that. And he, even though they showed it to us, and yet he still managed to win. Well, I think you can kind of blame WWE because clearly they saw that on SmackDown and they thought, should we get better ladders? Nah, screw Otis, he's fat. So that was kind of their thinking. But at the end of the day, through, uh, you know, again, and I don't want to, you should just watch this if you haven't seen it. But basically, you have AJ Styles and Corbin, the guys me and Daniel thought would win this. Actually, Alex, you had one. I think you had Corbin. So the two guys we all think are going to win this, they're sitting there fighting over the briefcase. Elias, of course, shows up with a guitar, smashes Corbin. And then AJ Styles, for absolutely no reason, he's a 45-year-old veteran, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, drops the briefcase like Butterfingers Bart Simpson and it lands in Otis's hands. And, and that is how Otis won the Money in the Bank briefcase. And once again, Asuka wins it because half of the women in that match couldn't even get their butts to the roof in the first place. So she only had to get through Nia Jax and Lacey Evans, two of the most unpolished performers on the main roster, with all due respect to everyone else. So, you know, when you look at it that way, even in this great victory that we've had, where two people who I think we all root for and are all very happy with, they got it on under completely stupid circumstances. And with Baron Corbin possibly murdering two superstars off the roof. Um, but that's money in the bank. And I know it's not off the roof. Uh, any final thoughts you want to add to that, guys, before we go? Alex, you first. Uh, you know, I, I wish that these things were a little bit more frequent, but not three hours, not two and a half mm. hours. If these were you know, 90 minutes, but mm-hmm. as jam packed, uh, or even two hours. Like, I, I mean, I get it that they're competing against three hour raws mm-hmm. and SmackDowns, but this is the time again, we keep coming back to, to seemingly what this is a pay-per-view, right? This is mm-hmm. like a serious, you know, pay-per-view again with no audience. You got to be serious. pulling out the stops. Like if WrestleMania and was peak and this is what's next or what did we have? What was the one with the AJ and uh, Undertaker? Was that WrestleMania? Yeah, that's part of WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to even tell, you know, yeah. like, no, there's a lot. 
yeah, so they need to really just kind of figure out uh, to give us the really good stuff. This is time to give us the good stuff. And in fairness, this is one of their shorter shows. But that said, you know, it was great amount of time. I enjoyed that. Yeah, but my favorite part of it. Yeah, I can have a life. But to that point, Alex, you're right. You take out the MVP match. You take out the Jeff Hardy match. You put the tag team match on the pre-show. You could easily shave an hour off this. And tomorrow you got three hours. What the fuck? What are you going to do with those three hours? It's going to be a lot of Edge and Randy Orton. I, I ask that, that every hour. week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot. And they're probably going to run all the YouTube interviews from tonight as well. Uh, and they're probably going to show a lot of clips of this t- uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Daniel, your final thoughts before we go? Did you, really quickly, did you notice Oscar gets into the elevator right yep. at the beginning of the match? Mm-hmm. And then... By the time she gets to the top or wherever she gets off, mm-hmm. the other women are already on that floor fighting. How did that happen? Yeah, it was very odd. I think the only way I could rationalize this, and again, this has been very generous, is that the roof was not accessible by elevator. So Asuka had to get to the, I guess, the ninth or 10th floor, and then she had to find a stairwell. And I guess she... No, that makes sense. Uh, like, office, you can't just get to the, to the roof. Yeah, but no, that's no, no. Still, but that's when she got generous. out of the elevator, mm-hmm. women were already on that floor. Like they sure. somehow beat her to that floor and were already fighting yeah. Yeah. by the time she got out. That was weird. Yeah, yeah, and you're right, Daniel. They took the stairs and they were fighting each other up and down the stairs. Yeah, and it wasn't as if it wasn't as if and Naya wouldn't be the right person for this because she's a bigger wrestler. She wouldn't be quick. But it wasn't as if uh, Lacey Evans had separated herself from the pack. So you had, you know, Asuka on an elevator and Lacey Evans just ripping through the last couple of floors. And then potentially, it, they didn't even do it that way. But at least if you had done it that way, you could have had Asuka walking onto the roof. And then by the time she gets up to the ladder, then, you know, it's reasonable that Lacey could have shown up and thrown her off the ladder. And I just, I, you know, I think somewhere along the line, they lost track of this. And uh, yeah, it really did seem like Asuka just took a five minute break during this match, um, I guess the theory would be she got lost on one of the floors. But when you take an elevator to the last floor, how does no and stairs are typically near elevators the way most buildings are designed for fire escapes. So, yeah, it doesn't. That was one of many many problems in that match. But anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll give them credit. At least the one person who took the elevator won the match. So at least that made sense. Whereas with Otis, the guy took to glor- took a glorified food stop with Johnny, Johnny Ace and also, you know, started a food fight and still somehow won the match through sheer stupidity. So that's even worse when I start to think of it that way. But yeah, so not ideal. But I think at the end of the day, they realized this was just stupid fun. And I don't think they even, it seems like they didn't even have a continuity meeting. They just slapped this thing together. Because even the edits, like there were points where you forgot there was a men's match happening or you forgot there was a women's match happening because they didn't really intercut as much as they could have um, no. and then I, I think when you had the three women on the roof, I literally just imagined, I'm like, is Corbin and two other guys just like waiting for them to finish uh, just because they're gentlemen before they get on the roof? Because there's no way the guys are taking that much longer than the women, you know? And luckily yeah. they did have the spot where, but even the spot that they did with Corbin where he wanted to stop Oscar made absolutely no sense. That was the worst. No. That was so bad. That, that's another one. It's like, why, why do you even care what she's doing? Yeah. Like you, you're, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, that was shocking, actually. Yeah, it would, just, it would have been as simple as like, you take your briefcase, I'll take my briefcase. Yeah. 
end of match. He was trying to start. Like I said, the same thing. Like, what, who cares what she's doing? Yeah. It would have. Yeah, they should be friends. Like, why? Why can't they mm-hmm. maybe champions together? So, so. well, I guess I, I could see it would almost have made more sense to me if Oscar had been surprised by him and she had knocked him off the ladder. You know what I mean? But for him to climb up the ladder and stop her when she was about to be done, like she was seconds away from like. Pull, like when she, she had nothing to do with down. him. Yeah, when she pulls the briefcase down, you're good. Maybe they're trying good. to just make him look like a bigger heel. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was it, a very. It worked. It, was just, it that worked. worked a little bit, but it was yeah. so, so out of place. Yeah, like you think, especially as a king, you'd think he wouldn't want to get his hands dirty, and he would just wave her off and be like, "Take the briefcase, and I shall royally take my." I don't know. He like looks so been- skinny. He doesn't look like a wrestler. Like he's like like something's gone wrong with his look. And how many yeah. cheeseburgers do you think Otis is gonna buy with money in the bank? <laughs> I think he's gonna have a lot. He's, he's gonna go back to catering. They have a good setup they had there. Yeah. Yeah, that was all, all the rice on Paul Heyman's face was actually a really good look. Yeah, no, that was great. And I will say, if not for Johnny Ace, for whatever reason, going for a nine o'clock snack at WWE offices. Otis wouldn't have won that match because it looked like he was hypnotized by the cafeteria and he was never going to leave. Otis needs a YouTube channel where he just mukbangs and eats food. Uh, well, People that's need it. to watch him eat food all day. Well, like he, he didn't deserve to win because he was just mucking around eating <laughs> food. And it's like this guy, I actually thought that. I was like, you don't deserve to win. You're eating a sandwich. And in the last one, he don't care. Carb load. He's good, man. That guy knows how to <laughs> It's almost like the Tour de France, you know, where you have to like eat. They have to climb a whole mountain of a yeah, of, the, of the whole unit of that whole building. In the last couple minutes, we have the issue. This raises, of course, is for Otis to cash in now on Corbin, uh-huh. or not Corbin, on Strowman or on McIntyre. You've got three of the most over people in the company. Um, this is where I sort of thought it would have made more sense for Wyatt to take the title and we could have got Wyatt versus Otis and Otis and Mandy could have gone to the Firefly Funhouse and there's a lot of potential there. Um, I have a feeling Otis is going to have to hold onto this briefcase for a long time. And I'd actually say the same thing about Asuka because we don't really want to see Becky and Asuka, uh, Becky and, uh, yeah, again. No, there's no rush. We we probably need Shayna Baszler to rip the title off uh, Becky Mm. Lynch now, I can only hope. And then Asuka goes after her. Let's hope that's what happens and then, you know, maybe... Fans are back, and you get that fan pop for the cash-in, maybe on the first night back for Raw and SmackDown. That would be very smart. Um, But again, giving WWE too much credit. We're basically out of time because it's Zoom. I don't want to pay money. Um, Daniel Shahori, Alex Ross, always a pleasure, guys. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 